This is a tasty burger. White cake. I don't go in for sweets. Thank you. Want some bacon? No, man. I don't eat pork. Any time of the day is a good time for pie. Somebody poison the coffee. I'm hungry. Let's get a taco. Don't you just love it when you come back from the bathroom to find your food waiting for you? Coming up, the Fantasy Film and Food Draft, Tarantino Edition. Welcome everyone to the Film and Food Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Roberts, and thank you again for joining us for episode 10. Wow, 10 episodes, a small milestone, but a milestone nonetheless. Thank you to everyone who has joined us over the past 10 episodes as I've launched my passion project and have really, really enjoyed making this podcast with all the guests that have come on and all of the movies and all of the food. It's just been a great, great ride. If you're new to the Film and Food Podcast, I just wanted to say a big welcome. We celebrate all things culinary and cinematic in film, and we produce a whole bunch of film and food-related content that I'm sure you're going to like. We produce film and food review episodes where we give a comprehensive review of a great foodie film, plus give you a film-inspired recipe to try at home. We also do Quick Bites episodes where we catch you up on great film and television from the past and present, and we also have this new format of the show, which I'll explain in a bit. So make sure you check out our other episodes and subscribe to us on your favorite podcasting platform. Thank you so much for all of your support. Okay, let's dive into this week's episode. We have a brand new format for you on the Film and Food Podcast. A really, really fun and exciting and creative new way that we can talk about film and food. And this is the fantasy film and food draft. Everybody likes to choose things. Everybody likes to create fantasy scenarios. And in this instance, we are looking at all of the food in different directors' filmographies, movie series, or movie universes. And we're going, what would it be like to create an ultimate food experience from those movies? So this could be main meals and desserts or drinks or different guests or different locations or different music and whatever it is from the group of movies that we've selected. And I'm going to bring on some guests, form some categories, and we're going to and we're going to draft our ultimate food experience. So it's a bit like the draft system in your fantasy sports leagues, but instead of sport, we're talking about our favorite food in our favorite movies. And so I'm so excited to announce that our debut edition of the Fantasy Film and Food Draft is from one of my favorite director's filmography, Quentin Tarantino. And I have two new amazing guests on the show, Andrew and Corey, who I had an amazing and quite long discussion with as we played this game, the Fantasy Film and Food Draft. So if you're still not sure what it is, I'm going to pass it over to our conversation where I explain more thoroughly what the game will look like. But Before we dive into the conversation, we need you to play along at home. If you go on social media, you'll see the six different categories that we are drafting from to create our ultimate food experience from Tarantino's filmography, plus the draft order, so you can follow along with this episode, but we also want you to play at home. So get in touch with us, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or our email, fansfilmatfoodpodcast.com, and tell us what your ultimate Quentin Tarantino 
food experience would look like. Plus, if you have any ideas over movie series or director's filmographies or just a great bunch of movies that we could do another fantasy film and food draft on, let us know. We'd love to incorporate your ideas into the show. Okay, I'm going to pass it over to our conversation with myself, Andrew and Corey as we play the fantasy film and food draft Quentin Tarantino edition. Enjoy, make sure you play along at home and would love to hear answers. So here's our conversation. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Film and Food Podcast. I'm so excited to be sharing with you a fun new format of the show, which is the Fantasy Film and Food Draft. In the Fantasy Film and Food Draft, me and my guests draft our ultimate food experience from a director's filmography, maybe a movie series or a movie universe. And in this debut edition, we are creating the ultimate food experience from legendary, acclaimed and somewhat controversial director, Quentin Tarantino. Tarantino, of course, is known for his epic films filled with gratuitous violence, witty dialogue, and incredible soundtracks. But maybe, most of all, Tarantino is known for the food in his movies. In Tarantino films, food defines character. Food is used to illustrate power imbalances. Food is used to increase tension and to unify and bring together the often motley crew of Quentin Tarantino's characters into something that they all share and what every human always does, which is to eat. So, what a way to start, but I must introduce my two guests onto the show. Joining me in this fantasy film and food draft, Andrew Lingley and Corey McMahon. Wow, sorry, Corey, I can't speak. Welcome, gents. Hello. G'day. Thanks for coming on the show. Um, Andrew, why don't you tell me a bit about yourself? Yeah, so uh, I live in the inner southwest part of Sydney. I'm married to Christy. Uh, we've been married uh, coming up to two years in a few weeks. Um, so that's pretty awesome. Uh, I work in a couple of local high schools doing some well-being and some teaching stuff. And yeah, I, I guess we're a bunch of buddies that have known each other for a few years. So this is going to be fun. Yeah, and I believe you were once studying film in some way before. So the only qualified person on this podcast, not even me. Yeah, yeah, that's it. You, you're you're the foodie. I'm I'm the film, uh, you know, analyzer. And Corey, what what do you bring to the table, Corey? Um, I'm the good looking one. The good looking hey. one. Yeah, fair enough. So if uh, oh, actually, I was gonna say, none of us are single, so I can't even give you, you know. I mentioned. Sorry, guys. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry for all those women out there who are looking for a food and film, uh, you know, qualified single man. Yeah. But if you're out there, I mean, get in touch. Um, <laughs> Corey, tell me a bit more about yourself. Apart You've got from, me giggling. Um, you know, from the fact that you're good looking, which we know already. The fact that I what? Cooking? That you're good looking. Oh, I'm good know, looking. I thought already. you said that you're cooking. I'm like, nah, man, I eat food. I don't even cook food. Hey, um, that's the best part about eating slash cooking. I know, I know, right? I know. Well, um, I am not as prestigious and I'm not as married as both of you are. Um, I have a girlfriend named Liana um, and we've been together for what? Just over two years now, which has been nice. Um, I work uh, in a church as a youth pastor. So I run youth programs, um, hang out with young people. Um, and I also help out in sort of church services um doing audio engineering and all that sort of stuff too so i get to have a bit of fun with that um other than that i'm a huge nerd love love movies to bits so that's probably more more my my thing 
I absolutely love movies, film, all that sort of stuff, uh, TV shows even. But I'll go as far as that. Um, but yeah. So good. Um, great. Now we are talking about Quentin Tarantino films today. And I believe that we were all actually in the same cinema watching his latest film, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Uh, that was on my bucks, I believe. Yeah, yeah, um, that was right. Yeah, so Westfield yes. Parramatta, shout out. <laughs> um, so, yeah, tell me, I want to hear from both of you about what you think about Tarantino, his films, and maybe if you have one, like your favourite. Mm. Yeah, good. All right, I'll go first. Um, yeah, I've, I've been a fan of Tarantino for a while. I remember actually watching... I think it was Pulp Fiction in English, which I don't know how we were able to watch that in English in high school, but somehow we did. Um, and I, I just think there's just so much nuance in his films. There's um, obviously like some very, I don't know, core core parts of humanity that come out of the, the almost the best and the worst that are highlighted in each of his films. Um, I love the kind of roller coaster ride that they are. Um, I I think he said it earlier, Chris, that it's it's almost like this motley crew of random individuals that's almost put in a blender, and some kind of a cocktail of a movie comes out. Um, so yeah, if if I had to pick. A favourite movie, that would be tough. I, I'd probably have to say there's an equal tie for first place, which is between Django and Inglorious Bastards. Um, both are very good, uh, although Django was actually one of the first screenplays that I ever decided to read, um, and I was, I was hooked by the screenplay. So I think that says a lot about a story, about whether a 200-page script can captivate you or not awesome uh agree agree that sounds great um Corey, what about yourself andrew has very good taste because that was very similar to what i was thinking in the sense of uh movies being top um i mean i love history i love like history movies i watch all the you know the um the history tv shows or um, movies and things like that um, which is why Inglorious Bastards really stands out to me because it's that, you know, historical thing. And I, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of World War II in the sense of history um, and kind of the big events that that holds for us as a, as a human race. Um, but I think um, something that I really like about Tarantino is his willing to change history. He'll, he'll jump into a movie that's got some historical um, factor and he changes it up. So... Spoiler alert, if you haven't seen Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, it's based on like an actual historical event, but he like completely changes the outcome of that event um, towards the end of the movie. And I, and I remember the three of us sitting in that, that cinema going, man, there's been, there's been no blood lately. Like there's been nothing gratuitous, no violence. It's just kind of like, you know, there's a couple of punches thrown and nothing's happening. And then it just all went off right at the end. Like absolutely massively went off at the end. So I remember that was quite funny. Yeah. Sitting in that. 
Totally. I remember feeling tense for the entire movie going like, when is something going to happen? Because you're used to just being yeah. like punched from the very start. I mean, like in Glorious Bastards, like the fir- like one of the first scenes is just absolutely mm. intense. And, and like, you're just scared for characters' lives and things like that. But you're just not like that in that movie. And then towards the end, you're like, now I'm scared for their lives. Like now I'm scared for these people. Yeah, yeah, totally. So, yeah. yeah, he definitely has that. He's very good at making tension, and um, but also I love. I think my favorite thing about it is the way he change. He just changes history. Mm. You know, he just gets a historical figure or a historical event and just completely changes the outcome of it. So, I really like that about his films. Very good. Um, likewise, I I think I got into Tarantino with Django. Um, I remember it was one of the first movies that. Uh, back in the day, you know, Corey, you're still in Campbelltown, so you know that there's an amazing cinema called Demerick Street. <laughs> yes. It is <clears throat> it's seven incredible. now. It used to seven be six bucks. But... It used to be six bucks a ticket, now it's seven fifty. I suppose oh. that's fine. Um, but you know, that was one of the cheapest activities everybody could do back oh, in yeah. the day. So, you know, I remember seeing Django and yeah, like Andrew said, being hooked, like I just hadn't seen a movie like it. Mm-hmm. And um yeah and like the performances like you know christoph waltz does an amazing mm. performance in two of my favorite tarantino movies that, that opening scene of django with him is just brilliant mm. so eerie and and glorious too yeah um mm. yeah so i think um yeah i think he's an amazing director i think he's kind of unapologetically himself which can be interesting at some times um and but yeah he is a visionary like he, all of his films are like the production level is just incredible they're shot very well um they have amazing performances like the music is amazing um but i think i like his characters like i think he just writes characters and dialogue so well yeah. like you just you're never ever bored by having you know his characters on the scene and he just throws them together in all of these compromising situations um, and has you sort of move along with the journey. And yeah, I look, to be honest, he's probably like up there with my favorite. I feel like over time I might've, I still really, really, really like him, but I think I might've slightly called on him. And as I've gotten older, um, when I, when I watched once upon a time in Hollywood, I was really unexpected by like the movie that I got, but I was really enjoying it too. Like it seemed like mm-hmm. a step up for, him in terms of you know his anyway his maturity as a filmmaker and i wasn't a huge fan of the ending i just it didn't seem like it fit in with the rest of the movie um and i guess that's the sense if i like re-watch some of these movies now like yeah do they sort of was i caught up in a different mindset when i watched them the first time but i still really enjoy them and i still like i love watching them so I think my favorite is Inglorious Bastards. It is just so, like, it's really, you know, the revisionist history is super interesting, but, like, it is from the end, beginning to end, it's, like, this tension-filled, like, you know, he, he's so good with tension and, like, there's, like, five scenes in that movie that are, like, tension-filled, like the opening scene, the scene with the, um, with the, Apple strudel. Yeah, the, the interrogation. Yeah, yeah. The dinner, the dinner scene. And the then, like, the yeah, yeah, yeah. The it's just like, 
you know, he's a master, like he's a master filmmaker, whether yeah. you, you know, I think it's more whether I agree with what some of the, he presents. Um, mm. Anyway. I definitely think the best thing about Inglorious Bastards was Brad Pitt's iteration of trying to fake German while being like thick American accent. Like, yeah. Arriva Amazing. Like, Bongiorno. <laughs> Arriva Dirty. Yeah, Arriva yes. Dirty. Like this, yes. that, that gets me every time. Like, every oh, time. So That's um, It's the best line reading in a Tarantino <laughs> yeah. movie. Yeah. It's <laughs> he am- just doesn't even try to make it sound so <laughs> Italian. Yeah. Uh, Amazing. All right. Well, where am I? So um, let me tell you how this game works for those listening. Um, Today, we're drafting the ultimate Quentin Tarantino. Wow. I can't speak. The ultimate Quentin Tarantino food experience from six different categories. And these six categories are as follows. One, the main meal. Two, the dessert. Three, the drink. Four, the guest, which is a Tarantino character who will be your guest location obvious and finally music a quentin tarantino soundtrack to set the mood now once we have drafted it'll be up to each person to sell or explain why their food experience is the best and our listeners at home are actually the judge and they get to pick who won so in terms of the order of the draft there's six rounds and three of us playing so we each get two first picks two second picks and two third picks and if you can trust me the draft order was randomly selected um, and I don't get like the two best first picks. So you can trust me in that. Um, and so, yeah, we'll let you know as we go along whose turn it is. You can find the image cards of all the categories and the draft on our Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, so you can follow along and play too. And we'd love to hear what your ultimate food experience is. And you can email us at fans at filmandfoodpodcast.com or let us know on social media. And so, gentlemen, fair warning, I've pre-selected the categories and I've given them to you to make it easier so you didn't have to, like, go trawling through 20 hours of film to find all the food moments. But not everything I've chosen may be as fantastic as you think. So, and, you know, we don't actually know what each of us is going to pick. So you've got to be ready to adapt and improvise and, you know, think on your feet. Overcome. Overcome. Improvise, adapt, overcome, as Bear Grylls would say. So let's do it. Let's play the fantasy film and food draft Quentin Tarantino edition. In round one, we're choosing our main meal from these choices. We have Bill's sandwich from Kill Bill. We have the Big Kahuna Burger from Pulp Fiction. We have macaroni and cheese from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And we have the stew from The Hateful Eight. Andrew, you have the first pick in this round. Oh, all right. Let me just uh, have a think about my options. So... I'm definitely not going for the stew because I don't think stew is a strong choice and I don't think really anyone was a fan of the hateful eight. So I'm just going to leave that there. Um, Now I think the two I'm drawn to the most in the beginning is the mac and cheese and the big kahuna burger. I think possibly because they're both great movies in my opinion. Um, but they're also foods that I love eating. Um, so let's have a think. Mac and cheese, strong, nutritious, consistent. Um, but burger, Pulp Fiction, Samuel L. Jackson. I mean, I don't think that you can really choose anything that doesn't involve Samuel L. Jackson. So I think I'm going to go for that. It's a very good choice. I had no 
I knew that you were going to pick that first time. I think everybody would have picked it. Tell so, yeah. So that yep. you were eating a big Kahuna burger. Tell yeah. Explain. You've explained that pretty well. Um, now I have the second pick. So we've got Bill's sandwich on the board, mac and cheese, and the stew from the Hateful Eight. Oh, I really wanted the big Kahuna burger. I was hoping that that one would fall through. Uh, look, I'm the same. I'm, uh, okay. I'm um, this is a struggle. Okay, so Bill's sandwich is pretty good. It has ham, cheese, mustard, mayo on it. Pretty classic sandwich. The mac and cheese is created by Brad, Oscar-winning Brad Pitt in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And the stew which you, you know, took off the table. If you've seen the movie, you know, I watched, I didn't watch the whole movie. I just watched the clip because you're right. Who really I, needs to watch that again? But yeah. I, I think that's everyone's review of it. Oh, I haven't seen the full movie, but I've seen part of it. Yeah. Anyways. I unfortunately um, have seen the full movie. And I have seen the full movie. Um, but the stew, it brings together this motley crew of characters. It's not the coffee. The coffee in that movie was poisoned, but not the stew. And it looks pretty nutritious, potatoes, veggies, you know. But I don't think that's what I'm going to go with. I'm going to keep it pretty simple. And I'm picking mac and cheese from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Uh, Brad Pitt, he, it's a great scene. He comes in. He uh, makes the whole thing. You see it on screen. A classic store-bought mac and cheese comfort food. He gives, like, the leftovers to his dog. And um, that's my choice. Mac and mm. cheese. Mm. Corey, you have the next pick. I am incredibly disappointed because both of those are my two top picks. And I, I had a feeling that, that it would come to this. Um, as Andrew already stated it and I've said as well, Hateful Eight, look, I don't even remember that movie that well because I don't didn't like it when I first watched it. So my my thoughts are this, right? Bill Bill's a pretty powerful guy, right? Bill's Bill's got money. Yeah. Bill's Bill's got, got the muns. So I would say that this sandwich has got to be like top shelf ingredients, right? He doesn't get the mustard from the bottom shelf. He gets the mustard from the top shelf, you know? It's probably lined with gold, right? It's probably got like the best the best of the best ingredients in this sandwich. Yeah. And now so, I can fight with I can fight with you on the gold part, but continue. But yeah, no, like this is just it's just a metaphor. It's just a, it's just an idea. Um I I'm going to say I'm going to go with the sandwich because who like who doesn't like a classic sandwich? You know, you get a sandwich for lunch when you go to school. You get a sandwich when you get, for lunch when you go to work. They have club sandwiches at places. You know, there's sandwiches are just versatile, um, filling. But also, again, Bill is not a poor man. This is not a poor man sandwich. This is a rich man sandwich. So I think mm. it's probably going to be the best option that I have left over. Very very good choice. Um, great. We've all picked our our mains. And I think it's worth noting that, look, listeners at home, we're really not going to have a, a five-star culinary chef auto <laughs> experience with Tarantino food and film draft. Like, this is going to be almost like what you would be eating at 17 when you've come home from school and you're really hungry. Um, so I think the a burger, mac and cheese and a sandwich perfectly sum up the uh, food on av- available in a Tarantino movie. So let's move on to round two, where we are choosing a dessert 
And there's only three options. And I believe that all three of these options are really, really good. So uh, we have Apple Strudel from Glorious Bastards. We have White Cake from Django Unchained. And we have Pancakes and Bacon from Pulp Fiction. So I chose the mac and cheese and I get to do the first pick in the dessert round. And I have a pretty tough choice here. Now, the apple strudel is incredible. It has a dollop of fresh whipped cream on it. And I am a sucker for cream and pastry. I just want to eat that thing. You have pancakes and bacon from Pulp Fiction, which, you know, is an amazing combo. Maple syrup, bacon, excuse me, butter. And then you have white cake from Django Unchained. And white cake, let's just clear the air. It's a great, you know, it's how Tarantino uses food in these movies. It is a very much a symbol of the very racist white supremacy Calvin Candy and his plantation in the movie. So it hasn't doesn't have great connotations, but if we're going to just narrow it down to the food itself, it looks extremely delicious. Oh, mac and cheese. You're having pasta. You kind of need something to cut through it. Yeah, I'm going apple strudel. I hate to say it, but I'm doing it. I hate to take it off the board, but I don't really. I'm taking apple strudel from Inglorious Bastards. It's going to have a nice apple flavor to cut through the uh, the kind of powdery, cheesy goodness of the mac and cheese. The cream will just add a nice flavor, and you're going to be satisfied from my meal. Moving on, Andrew, you got the second pick. Solid. Um, yeah, well, I guess between these two, there is the white cake. I do love a good bit of cake. Um, I'm also thinking about my my meal pairing too. So I picked the Big Kahuna Burger. And I feel like uh, if if you're having a burger, you're having you know, quite a greasy, juicy kind of meal. And so you probably want that to continue. I feel like having cake with that would just seem a bit abrupt. Um, and so I think I'm going to go with the pancakes and bacon because I think that's a pretty good combo pairing. Now, bear in mind that you need a lot of room in your stomach for both of those. And you're probably going to be spending the next day or two on the toilet, guaranteed. Um, but I think that's what I'm going to go for, pancakes and bacon, to go with my big kahuna burger. All right, Corey, you've got... You've, I don't know how great the, the draft works, but um, <laughs> unfortunately... You unfortunately, the, the person who, who probably likes cake the least... Gets the cake, the racist cake, mind you. Thanks, hey, thanks, Chris. Hey, you need really to sell it. That, you need to sell it. That, <laughs> you, you know it. what? <laughs> you know what? That just really takes the cake, doesn't it? It does. It does take the cake, Andrew. Um, look, you sell it to me, Corey. When I when I Can't think give white up yet. cake, when I think white cake, right? I think white chocolate, and I love white chocolate. All right, white chocolate mud cake from Woolies is like the best thing ever. Now, I don't think this. Is going to be white chocolate mud cake from Woolies, but again, Candy is a rich guy. This is not bottom shelf stuff. This is top shelf ingredients. 
So he's probably got the top dollar ingredients uh, for the time in this cake. Again, you know, <clears throat> we're coming from this sandwich, which is, again, is top dollar, top of the line. You're getting a healthy option, the, the good option. You know, well, everyone knows the healthy option is the expensive option. So they've got to be going for whatever the healthiest version of this is. Unlike Andrew, who's going to be spending all day on the toilet the next day, you're probably going to be feeling pretty energized and pretty good after a little sugar hit from some cake. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I feel like I feel like you've actually um, kind of lowballed yourself for Andrew and, and the whole toilet experience because with my meal so far, you're just not going to be spending any time on the toilet. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, look, that's that's fine because I think I have the superior options. Um, <laughs> minor minor classics. Everyone loves a good burger and you know pancakes and bacon, the old Canadian breakfast, as yep. they call it. Um, so that's, that's fine. I'm happy to fight it out with you, mate. <laughs> I mean, you can fight me from the toilet and while I'm outside, you know, having some fun. Uh, Corey feels pretty confident about his decisions, but I think mine are classics. Everyone loves a good burger and everyone loves a good pancakes and bacon Canadian breakfast. So look at the end of the day, maybe it's going to be a 40, $50 meal, but you know what? I'm going to feel satisfied afterwards. Yep, fair enough. It'll, fair enough. It'll definitely be a satisfying poo. Yeah, we're really we're really drawn into that image, aren't we? Yeah, let's, really pressing let's, in. Let's move that right along. Um, we are going, you know, and mind you, little mac and cheese and a strudel. I'm sorry, but you've hit like every every part of your palate there. Um, you've got a little bit of refinery, a little bit of basic and you've melded that together, that's basically Tarantino, right? A little bit of refinery and a little bit of basic in a movie. So anyway, let's move on. Um, round three, we're choosing a drink to wash all of our meals down from these three options. The beer from Django Unchained. The $5 shake from Pulp Fiction. Milk from Inglorious Bastards. And Sprite from Pulp Fiction. And Corey, you, my friend, have the first pick. Finally. <laughs> so there's a lot of dairy options here and i i love dairy i love dairy a lot um especially when it comes to drinking dairy um <clears throat> it's a bit controversial i know that uh drinking just milk by itself is, is a, a a curious thing for some people but i definitely am known to have a glass of milk just by itself as a refreshing sort of drink um, every now and then, a lot of the time it is with dinner. So, yeah, I. The problem with just milk, though, is I feel like it's going to make the sandwich real soggy and real gross. So I feel like as much as milk is a, an excellent option, I might steer away from just a glass of milk. Now again, shakes, very milky. I do love a good caramel thick shake or a caramel milkshake, even. Really good options, really good options. Um, but you know you know what's a really nice thing to have when you get home from a long day of work and you know just want to cool off, um, get a little bit of a get a little bit of a kickback going, hanging out, just chilling. A nice cold frothy beer, a nice mm. cold frothy beer. And so as much as I love dairy, as much as I love the other three options, I feel like you know, one, I'm having a sandwich. I can only think of 
I don't, I don't think of any times where I've gone to a cafe and ordered a sandwich and a milkshake. It's either been like a sandwich and a coffee, which again is a bitter, bitter option like beer, or it's been something sweet with my milkshake. And so I feel like I'm going to go for the beer just because I can't think of a time where milk would be good with a sandwich um, in that way. Again, the other three are fantastic options. And I, I, you know, maybe if I had something else in my main meal, they'd go well with it. But I feel like a beer would go well with a nice sandwich. Um, but also I have a sweet option, which is the cake as well. So I probably don't need to have more sugar. Mm. You know, so kind of rounds it, rounds it out a little bit, you know, brings a fuller picture. Very, very nice. And they are incredibly frothy beers in that movie. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, yeah. So it is, that is a good choice. All right, Andrew, you're up next. Second pick. Cool. So I, I already know my answer for this one, so I'm going to go for it. I'm going to go for the milk from Inglorious Bastards um, for a number of reasons. For a number of reasons. Firstly, after eating two hearty meals, um, it's going to help me wash it all down into my system. But also, I, um, I've just looked up, you know, health benefits from milk. Firstly, amazing complexion. Secondly, strong teeth, right? Third, healthy bones helps avoid fractures, which let's be honest, if you're in a Quentin Tarantino film, your bones are going to get fractured. Uh, muscle growth, you definitely need some muscles in a Tarantino flick. Uh, reduces stress. I feel like all the characters in Tarantino films are stressed. Uh, it's an energy booster, you know, so you can keep fighting the battles that are raging on. Uh, eliminates heartburn. You know, you don't want to be fighting an enemy or running away and, you know, stop and get heartburn in the middle of a chase sequence. Um, yeah, so that's that's what I'm going to go for, the milk uh, in Inglorious Bastards. But also, I feel like, like Christoph Waltz, it's a bit of a baller move, a grown man ordering a cup of milk out anywhere. So I'm going to go for that. I'm really mad because I was so hoping that I was going to slip through the cracks and get to me at the third pick. Um, and I also am mad but very impressed that you just researched the benefits of milk. Because are you preaching to the choir? I can't argue on that, you know? Nope. You, this look, is why I'm the best looking one because I drink milk all the time. You know, yeah, best complexion, good teeth. You know, look, I'm I'm not here to mess around. I'm here to make informed decisions, to do the research, <laughs> and to to you know pick the best options. So, oh, I think it's going to help me in the end. I love it. I love it. All right, beautiful pick. And mind you, this is helping you, but that is like that is fresh. There's no pasteurization, no homogenization. That is milk straight from the cow. Like, you know, that is a, you know, if you're willing to go there, like that is, you can't get better milk, can you? That's what milk that tastes like real milk. Yeah. Um, okay. Third pick. So amazing choices. I can't knock you for both, either of them. And now my choice is the Sprite and my choice is the Pulp Fiction drinks. So you know, Samuel L. Jackson, after talking about the big kahuna burger to the man he's trying to intimidate, he uh, asks if he can drink some of that Sprite to wash down uh, his meal. And he drinks the whole Sprite right in front of him. A very baller move to intimidate 
our poor man who's being interrogated. And then we have the $5 shake from uh, Pulp Fiction where John Travolta, Vincent Vega, he is uh, drinking this very, very delicious $5 shake. And I believe he says that it's a very, very good, you know, better be good for being $5. Back in 1994, that's a lot of money. We've got to remember inflation. Um, and yeah, so those are my options. I love milk. I'm so devastated that I didn't get milk. I just buy unhomogenized milk just to drink with meals. I'm like Corey. Beth, my wife good. was like, you're gonna, Beth was like, I know you're going to choose that. And I was like, well, it's the third pick. Will it get to me? And alas, it did not. So my choice is Sprite. Something, you know, Sprite is a classic, just lemon fizzy drink. It's not, it's going to cut through a lot of like, kind of carby stuff like it's quite refreshing i'm not a huge soft drink fan but i see the appeal of a sprite uh after a big meal especially like a mac and cheese apple strudel meal but i'm actually going to pick the five dollar shake from um pulp fiction now there's a great youtuber by the name of binging with babish and uh, he produces all of these cool recipes and cooking videos about stuff you know food from movies um and he did an episode on the $5 shake and I did some research and I believe it even has a little bit of Bailey's in this, uh, in this milkshake. And I think that you have some Mac and cheese, you have an apple strudel, like you sipping along with a milkshake, you are going to walk away feeling like milkshake, right? Let's say your stomach is 70% full from your Mac and cheese and your apple strudel. The milkshake's going to take you right up to that 100. You're going to leave, feeling very, very content. You've had a delicious shake, delicious carbs in your cheesy goodness, mac and cheese and a strudel. What a perfect meal. What a perfect meal. So look, I'm, I'm glad that I got that one. That's, look, that's my choice. Chris, something to, something to keep, be aware of though, is you got a lot of dairy in that, in that, that meal there. I don't know how many lactose intolerant viewers you have or listeners you have, but you're losing a lot of, you're losing a lot of people to vote for you. Well, you know, you make a valid point, but we're trying to, you know, let's, if it's going to be the fantasy film and food draft, the lactose intolerant people can fantasize about eating this meal <laughs> and not having it affect their, um, you, you know. foiled my plan to foil your plan. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, you know, I, I'm a big dairy fan, but I think, I think it's all going to balance itself out. All right. Wow, so we're halfway through and we've drafted all of our food items. So, Andrew, you have the Big Kahuna Burger as your main meal, pancakes and bacon as your, as your uh, dessert, and you have fresh milk as your drink. Corey, you have Bill's Sandwich as your main meal, you have white cake as your dessert, and you have a classic frothy beer to wash it down. And I have uh, mac and cheese, and my dessert is apple strudel. And finally, the $5 shake from Pulp Fiction as my drink. So how are we, how are we feeling about our food choices? Well, I just, I just realized then that obviously that beer is from Django. Um, it's probably top shelf beer too, because it's the candy's, candy's beer. So I'm, all, all my items are top shelf. So I'm feeling pretty happy about that, even though they weren't my first options especially the first two. I've got all top shelf stuff. 
So yeah, I admire you for sticking with that line of um, persuasion. Just top shelf. <laughs> You're just going to say that at the end. Top shelf. Everything. <laughs> yeah. I I think just to rebuttal Corey, I think the beers actually at the start of the movie where Django and Christoph Waltz's character meets. So I think it's only, you know, oh, garden right. variety ranch kind <laughs> of beer. I don't know about that. Mm. I don't know about that. Mm. Beer, mm. beer wasn't very sought after. It was quite, quite common. I would assume a lot of the beer would probably be top shelf, especially from an establishment like the one that Christoph is at at the start of the film. But, I mean... In the wild, wild west, you know, there's probably a lot of it's watered down. So you're well, probably drinking half that. water and well, you know, half I don't know beer. About that. Well, I would, I, yeah, water, not clean from then. So I feel like that uh, beer is pretty clear. That's true. And um, Andrew, how, all your guests who enjoy your food experience are gonna, you know, play, put their life on roulette by um, contracting a disease from your unpasteurized milk. So I enjoy mean, that. Even the diabetes that you could get from all of that <laughs> Look, the... food, like bacon, <laughs> burgers, the grease off that, you know, that's going to fill up, that's going to clog up the, the veins very, very quickly. Look, the, the way I'm seeing it is that all the guests aren't going to live very long anyway, so they may as well go out with a bang, you know? Uh, that, <laughs> that, that is a fair... A heart attack? <laughs> That is uh, fair enough. A, a heart attack, I think, in their context, would be a good way to go. <laughs> Probably. You're not wrong. That's so. true. Not many characters survive a Tarantino movie. So, no. yeah, if you're going to go out, go out eating, you know? Yeah. All right. Well, let's let's move to round four. And remember, you may think that these next three rounds don't mean much. But, look, you could have the best food in the whole world, but be eating it in the worst place or with the worst people or with terrible music in the background. It's all about the setting. It's all about the context. So here we are now crafting the, um, the particulars of the food experience. So now we are moving to round four, where we get to choose a guest. Quentin Tarantino has a number of amazing characters in his movie. So we're choosing a guest to have along with you as you dine. So our choices are Cliff Booth from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Beatrix Kiddo from Kill Bill, Jackie Brown from Jackie Brown, Mr. Pink from Reservoir Dogs, and Vincent Vega from Pulp Fiction. Andrew, you got your last first pick. Right. Well, I, I got to say I'm a little disappointed that uh, Brad Pitt Arrivederci isn't in here because um, <laughs> he would definitely be my top shelf pick. Uh, so let me go through this. Um, at the moment, I'm tossing up between Beatrix from Kill Bill, Cliff from Once Upon a Time, and Vincent Vega. Now, uh, obviously, Kill Bill, iconic movie, iconic characters, iconic even uniform. I feel like you could show anyone that uniform and they'd be able to uh, tell what it is. So there's the notoriety of that. Uh, Vincent Vega, what I appreciate about him is, you know, he's a... He's a living legend. He's a meme. And uh, he's got some pretty sweet moves too, you know. So that could be fun, you know. If we're out for dinner, we could go for a dance on the scene, that kind of thing. Uh, Cliff Booth. Let's see. I mean, he's everyone's favorite Hollywood stuntman. Uh, he's always 
up for a good time. He's always got your back in case any fights or anything come up. Um, and even though it's not Arrivederci, Brad Pitt, who, who wouldn't want to hang out with Brad Pitt? Am I right? Um, so, out of that, I think... I think I'm going to go for Cliff Booth from Once Upon a Time. <laughs> because... He's going to have my back, he's going to have a laugh, and uh, we're going to get up to some antics, you know? Dang it, that's such a good choice. It very much is a good choice. Mm, he's the be- maybe the, arguably the best part of that movie. I mean, DiCaprio is also great, but man, he's so good. Mm-hmm. Ah, disappointing to have him off the board. All right, Corey, second pick goes to you. I think I, I I have a very clear line of succession in who I want to, to sort of be with um, while I'm eating this meal. First of all, Vincent, off the table, trigger-happy guy. He accidentally kills a guy in the movie. I don't want to be sitting around him. I don't want to be sitting around him at all. If he's got, you know, if he's got a gun on him, like I, someone's going to have to pat him down at the door if he's coming to eat like a meal with me. Like, you know what I mean? Like, Mm. I, I I don't want to be turned into raspberry sauce all over the windshield, you know? So I'm just going to let him be who he is. Not going to lie, don't know Jackie Brown at all. Can't remember anything it's about great, it. It's a great movie. Um, One of his underrated ones. I don't think I've actually... I may have not seen it then, unless it was a long time ago. That's probably the only one that I haven't seen. Um, so uh, that's off the board because I have no interesting facts about her whatsoever. <laughs> uh, Mr. Pink. Now, Reservoir Dogs I've seen once and I've seen, I saw it maybe four or five years ago. I do remember it being good. I don't remember much about Mr. Pink at all. So Can I, This may be cheating, but don't pick Mr. Pink. Um, well, I put the, him in. I put him in there. Hey, look at the be- at the beginning. The whole like opening scene is him telling why he doesn't tip waitresses. Yeah, yeah, he's a, yeah. He's a bit of a terrible guy, but yeah. you can pick well, him if you want. Well, no, no, you, you got to listen to my. This is my line of succession. So Vincent's off the table. You know, Jackie's off the table. Mister Pink, I don't even know. And after that, I solidified my my option. He's not. He's not. He's not happening either. But I feel like Beatrix has got a pretty cool story to, to listen to and, and you know, recount, um, you know. It, it being in a Quentin Tarantino um, film around her, when you're on her side, if she's having a meal with me, then she's obviously she obviously liked me, right? She takes on so many people at the end of that film. I don't even know how many people. It's, like, almost impossible. I feel like if I got into a fight and she was by my side, I'd just be like, no, you take this. 20 guys, you know? You'll take them all out by yourself. That's easy. It's fine. So I feel like I feel like Beatrix would be my option, mainly because she's got a pretty cool story to tell. Like she's lived through some some stuff. Um, so you probably have a little bit of wisdom from that stuff. But also being in a Quentin Tarantino environment, as it were, I feel like she'd have my back more than anyone else would, um, especially Vincent, who would probably accidentally pop a cap in my head. Um, mm. As opposed to in someone who's trying to beat me up's head, so I'm I'm going to stick with Beatrix for this one. Mm. Amazing choice. She, yeah, great story. Okay, third pick goes to me, and I'm left based on what I've just said. I'm not picking Mr. Pink, 
even though I love Reservoir Dogs, it's a great movie, but, um, you know, he definitely doesn't help himself by explaining why he, you know, doesn't tip waitresses. Anyway, he's off the table. And then I've got a toss up between Jackie Brown and Vincent Vega. Now, Jackie Brown is an amazing movie, underrated, and she's such an incredible, powerful character. But I, I'm not going to choose her. I'm actually going to pick Vincent Vega from Pulp Fiction. Maybe my most of my theme, theme is going to be Pulp Fiction. That's two times in a row I've chosen it. But Vincent Vega tells great stories. Anybody heard of Royale with Cheese? Um, he tells great stories. He kills it on dance floor. Like the most iconic scene in Pulp Fiction is him and Mia Wallace, played by Uma Thurman in Jackrabbit Slim, doing their dance after they have dinner together. He is, he's got great stories. He's got a lot of personality. Um, he is just a fun guy to be around. So I'm really keen to have a meal with him. Yeah, it may get slightly, you know, he may be a little bit, it may go a little bit out of my control at some points, but. I guess that's sort of the Tarantino experience, you know? If He really is the epitome of a Tarantino character. Could go off the rails, but has some amazing stories. You know, so really, he's just, when I think a cool guy, I think of Vincent Vega. And I think uh, he would be a great person to have dinner with. Okay. Okay. There it is. Um, <laughs> there it is. So... So we left Mr. Pink and we left Jackie Brown. Everybody go watch Jackie Brown. Uh, I'm very underrated. Um, it's a great movie. And yeah, great, great guests. Okay. Well then we have a guest, but now we need to work out where we're going to have our meal. So our round five is a location. And we have four great locations. We have Jack Rabbit Slims from Pulp Fiction which if you don't know is the restaurant where Mia Wallace and Vincent Vega have their meal together, do the dance. We have the house of blue leaves from Kill Bill with or without the 150 assassins trying to kill you. We have Minnie's haberdashery from the hateful eight. So again, minus or have all of the cast of characters that are trying to kill each other. And finally we have Lapid Eats farm. Maybe I should stop giving you that all the characters are trying to kill each other because that's every location in a Tarantino film. So those are four different unique locations to have a meal. I've picked some ones out of the box there, um, but I think all can be spun into something good. And Corey, you have the first pick. All right, I'm gonna. I've got. I've already know what I'm going for, but I just want to explain why I'm not going for the other ones. Right, uh, Lapidate's Farm. I don't want to be in World War II France. Just putting that out there. That's all I need to say, you know. Um, yep, I'm good. D definitely don't want to be in World War II era France. Uh, Minnie's Haberdashery. Look, I seem to remember there being a lot of snow and a lot of cold. And, I, I you know, I, I, like the, I like the snow. I like hanging out, you know. I'm usually at the snow to go snowboarding, though, not sit inside a barn with no insulation and maybe a little fire. So I'm, I'm going to put that one on the back burner as well just because I feel like it'll be an uncomfortable place to have food. And then we're left with two options. Now, one, I could go to a restaurant 
from a film, or I can go to this really sick house that is, and you guessed it, top shelf. You know, it's 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 a rich man's house. It's not a poor man's house. It's a rich man's house. And so I think I'm gonna go to the house of blue leaves mainly because it's it's top shelf. It's it's not a poor man's house. It's not a little shack in the middle of France or in the middle of wherever they were in America. It's not just a restaurant, but it's a, it's a, it's a nice place. Um, I'll, I'm going to opt for without the 150 assassins trying to kill me, um, just because that makes it a little bit more comfortable. Look, Corey, I think solid choice, mate. Um, but I think as well, even if the assassins were there, you picked Beatrix, so you'd be yep. fine. I'd be now fine you, anyway. You picked, yeah. you picked the right person to take yeah. to that house. You're right. You're right. Look, let, credit let, let's, to you. That was let's, good. Let's just say the 150 assassins are there. I'm actually in that scene, just in the back corner, eating a sandwich while she's doing her work and, you know, just putting on a good show for me. Just, you know, that's just how it goes. Dinner and a show. Who doesn't yeah. love that? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, she could literally walk you through blow by blow the way she killed all those 150 assassins 100 percent. you know if you want to if you want to sit there and watch as that happens as that unfolds um completely unaffected have a nice sandwich you know cool beer by your side as well um yeah. and then some cake for afterwards you know share a slice of cake with um beatrix afterwards she's done you know look i'm not gonna lie you've turned night. it around with the last two choices uh, I'm, you can I was a bit worried me. there this for is, a while. This is good. This is good. No, I'm a fan. It's good. Um, okay, I have the second pick, and look, I think as much as like I want to pick the on location choices, I do feel like I need to like give Andrew a bit of a disadvantage and make him pick from those. Um, I could swing them to be like it would be like going to an Airbnb with this beautiful farm, and you know I'll let you do that, Andrew. Um, but I'm going to stick with my Pulp Fiction and for my third pick in a row, of course, I'm going to pick Jack Rabbit Slims yes. from Pulp Fiction. <laughs> it is an, it's a restaurant. It's like, you know, uh, a retro, amazing restaurant, like, you know, classics, classically themed um, dance floor. I can also get Vincent Vega to give me a walkthrough, show me some of his dance moves, you're not um, wrong. That's a good idea. Honestly, like what a what a what a night. What a place to have a meal. You feel like you're in a Tarantino movie, literally. And I can't think of a better location to sit down, chow on some mac and cheese and some apple strudel. Admittedly, they feel a bit weird in a in a Jack Rabbit Slims restaurant. But I'm gonna go with the guest and what the guest can bring in that location. And uh, I'm picking Jack Rabbit Slims, Andrew. Over to you. Ah, oh, well, thanks so much for your uh, for your help, you know. <laughs> um, so really, it's between Minnie's Haberdashery or Lapidate's Farm. So let let me talk through these options for us. So I guess the advantage of the Haberdashery is this beautiful mountainside location. Uh, is is it going to be cold? Yes. But there's, you know, fur coats, there's uh, fireplaces. So I think you're going to be uh, warm. Now, it's important to note that this isn't a place where we have to live either. So this is just a short little dinner visit, which means that I think you can withstand the cold for about an hour or a couple of hours. Um, so I think that's not too bad. 
Now the other one, Lapidates Farm. Let's talk through some of the pros. So obviously it's in the beautiful uh, French countryside. Uh, it's got beautiful, quiet, serene views. And um, now, does this location have to be set in World War II Nazi Germany? Sorry, Nazi-occupied France. Well, or is or is it just the the location? I I think if we're going to play this game correctly, you could have it just be the location. Yeah. So if it's just the location, that's fine. Um. So that's that's best case scenario, right? Um. Worst case scenario, there's a bunch of Nazi soldiers who rock up and kill a bunch of people. Um. I, I uh, the advantage for me if I'm if I'm the guest there is uh may, maybe I can buy the farm for cheap, you know. Uh, now I have I have Cliff <laughs> I have Cliff Booth with me, so I don't buy know the he farm buy yeah the farm. <laughs> what. <laughs> Yeah, because the owner's the owner's not going to be around anymore. Oh, welcome, okay. welcome to Tarantino Real Estate. This charming French cottage with one bedroom, one room all together. And a basement. You can hide under the floorboards. <laughs> yeah. yeah, room for the whole family. Um, <laughs> now, uh, I do have Cliff Booth with me. I think that's an important distinction to make because. Uh, that guy, I, I think he could take on a couple of Nazis. He's pretty tough. Um, I don't know. Bullets hurt. Yeah, well, <laughs> but he seems to be, like, kill-proof, and he has a dog that would just maul at least a quarter, if not half of the soldiers. Um, so, you know what? I... I think I'm going to go for the French countryside. You know, it just sounds like a beautiful, nice, relaxing time with some close friends, a nice intimate affair. Um, you know, it's a farm, so there's already pigs on the farm to get my bacon for my pancakes. Um, there might be some wheat there to make my pancakes. And uh, what else? Burger. You picked the, the, pick the milk. You yeah, could show a demonstration milk, of how, like, literally... Yeah, from the that's it. So for my burger, I've got cows for the milk and my burger. I've got mm. pigs for my bacon. Um, and i got Cliff Booth, who is good at could easily... Pancakes. Yeah, he's, he's, <laughs> he's, he's good at cooking. He's a fun guy. He's got your back in any fight. I mean, really, he's an all-rounder. So I, I'm feeling pretty confident about that choice. Look, I'm very impressed with how you've, you've, you've sold that. Um, I still think I it should be a Nazi Germany. I didn't. I didn't think of the. Um, I didn't think of the uh, farm fresh, locally sourced ingredients. Yeah, for for all those northern beaches viewers, you want your you want your farm to table stuff, and who doesn't want to go to the French countryside? Am I right? So I I really think I've got the support of the people behind this one. Look, I'm not going to lie. You probably do. Um, it's like the Harris Farm of French. <laughs> France. Um, it's it's the OG Harris Farm. Yeah, yeah. Except it's Lapidates, Lapidates Farm. farm. <laughs> soon, soon, soon to be Andrew's farm because it's going to go cheap on the real estate. You <laughs> He's going to sell it. 
Uh, oh man, that's, that's so funny. good. All right, well, our um our final round is music, and we get to choose from four of Quentin Tarantino's soundtracks. Those being from Pulp Fiction, Django Unchained, Reservoir Dogs, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And I have the first pick. So, my choices. All of them are really good. Um, I think I'm going to take Once Upon a Time in Hollywood off the board. I don't, you know, it's it's a good soundtrack. I don't know if I'd put it in the uh, in the S tier, as they would say, if you're, uh, you know, doing the rankings. That leaves me with Reservoir Dogs, Django Unchained, and Pulp Fiction. Now, I could do four choices in a row and do the Pulp Fiction soundtrack. And look, these other choices are going to have to convince me not to. Now, there's some good moments in Django, uh, like especially, you know, when he finally, uh, you know, confronts the slave owner that once... Uh, when Django confronts a slave owner and when he does the final shoot up and all that kind of thing, but I'm taking Django off the board and then you have Reservoir Dogs, which has one of the most haunting pieces of music ever, which is um, when the cop played by, um, oh my goodness, what's the, what's the character's name? I can't remember, but there's a, there is a, you know, a torture scene, I guess, in the movie where um, he puts on the radio and he plays Stuck in the Middle with You uh, while this policeman is taped and bound and proceeds to cut his ear off. Um, And that is a very classic Tarantino use of music. However, I'm not going with Reservoir Dogs. I'm doing four choices in a row. Pulp Fiction is my choice. It's just classic after classic after classic. We're already in uh, Jackrabbit Slims. I've got Vincent Vega with me right there. I can literally turn on the song that he did the dance to. It's just, I'm just sticking with that vibe. All those Pulp Fiction fans out there, I got you covered. So that's my choice. I had no doubt that you'd be going for Pulp Fiction after all the other choices. <laughs> I feel like if I feel like that's too good an opportunity to pass up. Yeah, basically. Um, Corey, second pick. Look, <clears throat> I do I do like a western. Um, there are westerns. Obviously, Django is a western, but there's also westerns and you know Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So you could you could per chance almost say that both have got some similar music at some point in the movie, but. I think I'm with I'm thinking with Chris in the sense of Reservoir Dogs is haunting and uh, it reminds me of torture, so I'm good to leave that behind. Uh, the Django theme song, I feel like, would go well with a um, with a 150 on one uh, fight. Uh, you know, I thought you said that they weren't coming. No, they're coming. I'm watching. Oh, they're coming I've got, now. I got Beatrix with me. Ah. She's just gonna she's gonna fight them all off while I just have my little nice. sandwich in the corner. Important you know? clarification. That was yeah, cool. yeah. I thought I made that clarif. Maybe I didn't. We'll have to rub the tape. Um, <laughs> um, but I I definitely think the Django theme song would probably suit that vibe. Um, you know, sipping on a cool beer, 
um, while you're eating a, a nice top shelf sandwich and then uh, followed up by a top shelf cake. You know, why not have some top shelf music as well, you know? Um, get that, uh, that, that um, banjo out, the tinny, the tinny um, guitar, you know? Play a few licks. Um, and, you know, just, just have a bunch of, uh, you know, a choir singing Django. Oh, you know, you know, it's great. Yeah. It'll be fun. Yeah. yeah, it is a classic theme song. Sit back, chill, sure. hang out, listen to some uh, some good old Western theme songs. It's good. Very good. And finally, the last, the third pick of this round, and the last pick of the entire draft, Andrew. Andrew gets the first and the last pick. Look at him go. Yeah. Wow. I didn't think about that. First and last word. The best. Um, so, I mean, you've made half the decisions for me, so thank you. Um, I wasn't going to pick Django or Reservoir Dogs because they both remind me of almost tortury kind of music. And remember, I'm, I'm going for a nice, relaxing food to farm in the French countryside, uh, with my mates, nice, close, intimate affair. Um, now, Pulp Fiction is a groovy soundtrack, Chris, I'll give you that. Um, however, I think Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is the strongest selection. Let, let, let me give you some of the track listing here, guys. <laughs> so first we have um, uh, Simon and Garfunkel, Mrs. Robinson, an absolute classic. Uh, we have Los Bravos. We have uh, Neil Diamond. We have Vanilla Fudge. We have the classic California Dreamin'. Um, so I just feel like it's a bit of a groovy, chilled out kind of vibe in the French countryside, you know, having my glass of milk, eating my pancakes and burger, food to farm. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty, pretty confident that that's going to add to the vibe of the night. Very, very good. Mm. Nice work picking up the, uh, you know, uh, the track list. That was really good. I'm um, uh, trying to look at the Pulp Fiction one, but I I I did have it up. I definitely have Django. But I told you, mate, I'm not I'm not I'm not here to mess around. I'm here to play hard and you know get the best selection. Yeah. All right, I mean, track we've listing. Got, we've got the Tornadoes. We've got Dusty Springfield, the Centurions, Ricky Nelson. You got Al Neil Rain. Diamond too. He really likes his Neil Diamond, doesn't he? Yeah. Neil Diamond, like Chuck Berry, that's the stuff when they're dancing. Cool, that's cool and the gang. Yeah, it's look, it's not a, it's not a bad soundtrack. That's why I picked it first. But you have convinced me that Once Upon a mm. Time in Hollywood fits your, fits your vibe. All, all I'm gonna say is Jamie Fox. Not only is he an actor, but he wrote two of the songs in the Django track list. So just, just putting it out there, you know, if you wanna. If you diverse wanna, range exactly exactly if you want to diversify your um your musical taste go have a listen to that track list you know mm. Mm. very good okay well that's it we've we've picked we have three different ultimate food experiences chosen and what i want you to do is i want to i give the floor to everyone to walk walk me through one by one if i don't I'm going to do that again because I smashed my mic. What I want to do is I want to give the floor to everyone to explain 
your ultimate food experience. Walk me through why it is the best category by category. Uh, Corey, you can go first. Oh, you're putting me on the spot here, Chris. Um, all right, well, I'm going to, is it all right if I just change it up a little bit? Because I feel like I need to set the scene before I get to like this. You can do, you sell it however you want. You just can't, can't change your categories, obviously. No, 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 yeah. no, no, no. That's not happening. That's not happening. Um, yeah, see. So, you know, um, I can't remember off the top of my head, so I may need one of you to help me here. But uh, one, the the House of Blue Leaves, is that at the top of a like a somewhat higher building? No one remembers. All right, that's good. Let's just imagine that it is. Um, <laughs> I'm pretty sure it is. I'm pretty sure it's at the top of a semi big. I'll, uh, I'll I'll do I'll do some research. Fantastic. We're all we're all good at uh, Tarantino films. Um, so you know you get into this building, you you're welcomed at the door by the butler or whatever his name is, the doorman, um, Greg. You know, lovely guy, leads you to the the elevator, in which is. Uh, got a, another man standing in there to press the button for you. So, you know, it's COVID safe. You don't need to touch any buttons or door handles or anything. Um, you, you get led up to this penthouse called the, uh, the, the House of Blue Leaves. You know, you're welcomed at the door by 150 assassins fighting off Beatrix. Um, you know, you're led to a, a little, little nice corner, cozy corner, some, some lounges. Uh, there's a beer sitting there ready for you to go nice and cold. Um, you've got your sandwich laid out again, top shelf sandwich, you know, all the ingredients are from the top shelf. They don't, they don't, you know, skip out on, on the good ingredients here. You sit down, take a nice bite of this sandwich and you, you just get to, to enjoy the show, get to enjoy the show. And, you know, I, I find that for me when I'm drinking a nice, you know, sandwich with a beer, you, you take a bite and then you have a bit of a sip of your beer just to kind of wash it down a little bit, um, get those flavors in. Um, but also the, the, the beer is refreshing after a nice long day at work. You know, it's, it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna, to um, calm you down a little bit. It's going to um, warm the senses, warm the gut, as it were, make you feel quite kind of nice just for the afternoon. Um, and then Beatrix, you know, finishes what, what she's up to, comes and sits down with you, and you guys get to share a slice of cake together for dessert. And, you, you know, get to chat and hang out. You know, she tells you a little bit about her life. You get to tell your story to her as well. Um, and it's just a nice night in a nice apartment um, at the top of a very, very top shelf building, as it were, with some top shelf food. So I'm really sticking it to the top shelf stuff. <laughs> but yeah, that's... Uh, and, and, and you cannot forget, you cannot forget that Jamie Foxx is singing in the backgrounds, you know, what a smooth guy, Jamie Foxx. He's singing in the background to you. He's serenading your uh, your cake eating with Beatrix. So I feel like that's a pretty pretty nice night out. Nice, beautiful. Corey, can you can you use top shelf in a sentence? Like, can you can you define top shelf? Define top shelf. So um, this is how I would define top shelf. All right, are you ready for it? I'm ready. Are you, are you prepared? Are you prepared? Uh, it's not bottom shelf like what all you guys are eating. So, oh, <laughs> what what kind of a definition is that? <laughs> Let us. Uh, if I, if I not, buy a quality, if I bought by a quality ingredient and I put it on the bottom shelf of the shelf, does that change the quality of the ingredient? No, 
No, so then, what's the difference between what's the difference between what's the difference between a bottom shelf and top shelf then? You moved it from the top shelf, mate. Now think think about it like this: your your vegetables, your nice nutritious vegetables, you know, your potatoes, your <laughs> truffles, all those kind of things. Do you keep them in a high shelf, or do you keep them closer to the floor where it's cooler, where they can stay fresh, you know, all that kind of thing? Uh, I usually keep them in the fridge, mate. And do do <laughs> do do, do, do truffles, do truffles and potatoes? Do they grow at ten meters high? No, they're close to the ground. They're close to the ground. Well, you know what? You when might want picked, to think about when they're doing picked, that. they are put on the top shelf. Well, let us what know what you are. think, ladies and gents, in the comments. <laughs> what is top shelf? What is Honestly, top shelf? subjective? What is, uh, is, is top maybe shelf? Maybe we top need. Dollar? Maybe That's we need someone on here to define how to give a definition. Because, <laughs> I don't know if that makes too how, much how, sense. <laughs> I'm just trying to make my mine look better than yours. All right, That's just all it is. Top cool. shelf is better than yours. All right, that's all it needs to be. Well, look, you can say it, but is it true? Um, well, we right, can't Andrew, decide that, can we? You got to sell me your you sell me your experience. All right, all right. I'm gonna set the scene. So, la ladies and gentlemen, listening to this, why don't you close your eyes? Unless you're driving, please don't close your eyes if you're driving. Listening to this, but close your eyes. I'm gonna set the scene for you. We're gonna do some, you know, some AMS uh, uh, kind of vibe going on here. So, we're in the we're in the beautiful French countryside. Lapidate is out milking the cows. And, you know, preparing a smorgasbord for us. The music is playing. You know, you've got some Neil Diamond in the background. It's absolutely beautiful. Nice romantic uh, summer, springtime in the French countryside. And then uh, myself and uh, Cliff Booth, one of uh, Hollywood's premier good-looking bachelor stuntmen, arrive. Uh, so, you know, the ladies that are single... I, I could hook you up with Cliff, you know. Um, I, I could be your wingman. Uh, and so we enter in, and uh, not only do we have a burger, but it is the juiciest, most premier Angus beef, top shelf quality burger. Um, now, only, only the finest for Samuel L. Jackson. Samuel L. Jackson is not a bottom shelf guy, Corey. He's a top <laughs> shelf guy. And um, and then after that, we, we let the food settle. You know, we have some uh, milk to help wash the burger down. And then we have our pancakes and bacon. What a classic, timeless uh, dessert slash breakfast meal. Um, now, you may have been to Pancakes on the Rocks, ladies and gentlemen, but you not you have not been to Pancakes at Lapidate's Farm, which is in the beautiful vibrant springtime french countryside it's great uh and then as i said we're, we we have milk on the tap you don't have to you know settle we're not going to run out of one liter milk if we go out you know lapidate can head outside and squeeze a teat and get some fresh milk for us and uh yeah as i said it's going to be a good night cliff is an interesting guy he's got our back he's got some excellent conversational topics and uh, yeah, I just think it's going to be a great time. So uh, I hope you guys feel like you've just been taken to the French countryside and you're hanging out with Brad Pitt 
and you've had a great time. Wow. What um what facilities do you reckon they have on site at Lapidate's farm to like <laughs> you know, is it is it just like a little sto- like little fire outside or do they have like a full, you know, gas top stove? Oh sorry, I thought you meant toilet facilities. <laughs> I mean well, like, I also we wanna... all know what that looks like, but I'm talking about the food. Is it being cooked, you know, to um to standards, New South Wales uh, health standards, French health standards, you know? Yeah, I, I believe it is going to our French standards at the time. Um, so it's, it's, it's 1940s hell standards. Yeah. In, in France, but you know, the, the, the French are very cultured, very sophisticated people. So I I don't think this is a bottom shelf appliance (laughs) here, Corey. I think it's, I, I think it's the finest, you know, it's, it's kind of like the, the organic natural component, which, uh, I, I think my, followers and friends in the northern beaches are going to support me on you know uh, there's, now, look, there's, there's there's no natural so i'd i'd agree <laughs> with you there at least uh and tell us what uh what what with your burger medium rare rare well Ooh, done that's a good question well it depends because um cliff booth is there and he may have he may may have borrowed the flamethrower so he could help us out in that department um uh but yeah i don't know i mean what what kind of cows are there in france i didn't do my research on that sorry guys i let the team down but uh i don't know what what's the quality of french cows i'm gonna say it's pretty good um i just mean how well it's cooked yeah how are you how do you have your burger andrew i mean to be honest, I don't really get a choice. It's not like they say, "How how do you want your burger?" Um, but I'm I'm gonna say it's gonna be not not rare, uh, but not um, super well done. Probably a medium to medium rare for me. Yeah, that's, 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 that's good. On, that's on point. Yeah, that's on point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. top well, shelf well, stuff right there. Uh, that is top shelf. <laughs> Uh, okay. Prepare to be wowed. Sorry if you got a bit bored in the past, you know, two stories. Um, you be ready for just, a- just like a Tarantino <laughs> film. It, you know, it goes for a while and then it gets good at the end. <laughs> well, that's it. Um, Especially like now, once upon a time in Hollywood. <laughs> this is going to be the coolest food experience that you've ever had. So look, I th- and I think everybody wants to be a little bit more cool in their lives. Like who doesn't want to be cool, slick, stylish, um, and just have an authentic experience. And that is what you're going to get when you go to Jack Rabbit Slim's, a fifties art style decor restaurant with uh, beautifully, it's beautifully furbished. It has incredible music, incredible vibe, atmosphere, uh, it is one of the best places to eat in the Tarantino universe. Maybe the best. It is itself a restaurant. Don't worry about the facilities. We got them covered. We have a great restaurant. We have all of the cookware that we need to be able to create a safe and healthy and delicious meal. Plus bathrooms that are not outhouses. And that's just the start. You walk in and you sit in your booth and sitting across from you is none other then Vincent Vega himself, the man, the myth, the legend, long flowing locks, uh, that wicked smile, 
and he's full of stories that can keep you there till you know your meal is fully finished and over telling you of amazing stories you know once you've eaten you know once you've you know, before you start out comes onto the table a little bit of an appetizer it's the five dollar shake the classic jackrabbit slims milkshake a little bit of Bailey's, a little bit of everything. It is delicious. It's the best milkshake you've ever had, even if it's probably worth $15 now by inflation standards in 2020. So you start with your milkshake that's going to be your uh, buddy through the rest of the meal. Then out comes this beautiful bowl of fresh pasta al dente cooked to perfection with this beautiful cheesy sauce that is just comfort food in a bowl. You're chowing down on that. You're chatting to Vincent Vega. And suddenly he decides, why don't I just show you my moves? And, you know, you get up there, pretend you're Mia Wallace. Get up there on that stage and participate in the Jackrabbit Slims twist contest. And, you know, he's doing, you know, the two fingers by his head. He's doing the, all the different dance moves. And suddenly you feel like the coolest person on planet Earth. And like you are literally in the movie itself. You're a bit tired. You're a bit puffed out. Waiting for you on the table is a little piece of sophistication to finish your evening. Layers of crispy, fluffy pastry in, you know, perfectly caramelized stewed apple, cinnamon, just everything you want in an apple strudel. And he says, wait for the cream. And out comes this fresh, beautiful whipped cream dollop right on top of your pastry and you bite in, you hear the crunch of the pastry and you taste it. It's flaky, it's buttery, and it's a little bit soft as you get closer to the apple. And you can't think of a perfect way to finish your evening. You finish, you know, the last of your $5 shake and boy, oh boy, is your stomach a hundred percent full of top shelf ingredients. (laughs) And You've done all of this. And in the meantime, you've had the hits from the Pulp Fiction soundtrack playing. You've listened to Chuck Berry as you've been doing the dancing. You've listened to Link Ray, Ricky Nelson, Gary Sherrell, The Centurions, Dusty Springfield, The Tornadoes, Brothers Johnson, Call on the Gang, and Neil Diamond. Just a constant array of hits that is just keeping up this cool, vibey, fun atmosphere. And you're having the time of your life. You have an amazing conversation you're in an amazing location and you go home and you think, wow, I've never and will never again have such an ultimate food experience. Well done, Chris. Well my done. First thought, my first thought when you were like, I'm going to have a cool experience was like, why did you not pick Minnie's uh, like place from hateful eight? Cause you know, that's the cult. That's the coolest experience you'll uh-huh. ever get. I didn't pick that because the only thing I remember from that movie is the running gag is that the door sucks. Like you have to like really push it. And I'm like, that would be a turn off as a guest. If like the door was terrible and you were worried if you're going to get super cold. So yeah, well, you really sold, uh, sold Jackrabbit Slims though. What a what a place! Doesn't doesn't sound like a McDonald's. It sounds like a McDonald's premium. Like, excuse me, premium. Get rid of the McDonald's. It's just <laughs> premium. No, no, no. It's just McDonald's premium. Uh, <laughs> any final any final arguments, rebuttals, things you want to say? 
not 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 really an argument or a rebuttal because I think the fans are going to be behind me here. Um, but I I have an idea for our next one of these that we do. Okay. So I reckon what we should do next time is we should do uh, movies where Leo DiCaprio was nominated and Ooh. talk through the movies and the foods in each of those movies. I like that. That's cool. Oh, okay. A Leo DiCaprio version. What have we got there? So we've got Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. We've got... Titanic. Uh, ti- no, was he nominated? For, I don't think, I think he was he nominated was. for which for Titanic. Oh, was it? For, oh. I think so. I, I think Remnant? he was for other things, <laughs> but not for Academy Awards. Are we going Academy Awards? Academy oh. Awards. We have to. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So okay. I think... So, Revenant? I think it's Revenant. Yeah, Revenant. Uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah. Blood Diamond. Aviator. And What's Eating Gilbert Grape. Okay. That's I don't a think choice. I've seen half of those. That's a selection of things. Well, you, you, so, you got time, mate. You okay. got time. Yeah. All right. Well, you know, let's set a date in a couple of months and or a do month or two and do another one. Sick. That was great. Um, that's a great idea. And I have a yeah. better idea. Why don't we? Oh. Why don't we uh, do a Star Wars one and rate blue milk? Oh, right, blue milk. You know, blue milk mm. straight from uh, the teat, episode seven or eight. You know, yeah, I do know? like that episode. I do yeah. like that episode of Star Wars. I'm I'm wondering whether half the people listening are going like, "What the heck is blue milk?" <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What is? Are well, you gonna have to go I, watch Star look, Wars and find out, Corey? If you talk about Star Wars episode eight on any form of the internet you're going to get a lot of hate and a lot of love because that is a love-hate movie. Oh, yeah, I liked it, it. I loved it. I thought um, it was great. Look, but... I have a love-hate relationship with the Disney Disney trilogy. but I feel like know. that's a very fair point. Yeah. Know? I think um, we can all agree on that. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, lots of good ideas. I'm glad that this was a hit. All right, so my challenge is I do a recipe with every episode and what I'm going to do is I'm going to recreate my chosen meal and cook it at home and give you the recipe for all of you listeners there at home. So mac and cheese, an apple strudel, good luck to me, uh, and a $5 shake. So that'll be a lot of fun to make. Um, If you want to follow me on my personal Instagram, that's probably where you're going to see all the highlights of me trying to do that dish. I'd really um, love to see Andrew, you know, go to the, go to get his meal done in France, you know, go over there, yeah, kill a cow, yeah, cut yeah. it up, make some patties out of it. I don't think we have that in the budget, but <laughs> if you can source it. But uh, if, if, if there's any potential sponsor. sponsors listening, you know, <laughs> and we'll be break from this message from our sponsor. Basically just sponsoring Andrew to go to France to kill a cow and make it into a burger. Any... Any of my Northern Beaches fans out there, you know, help help support me. Help support. Give to charity. It's good. <laughs> the Andrew Goes to France charity. Uh, yeah, get a GoFundMe going. It's tax, um, tax deductible. Oh, man. Um, so, yeah, and insert a clip of me talking about how I went here. Okay, so I recreated the meal that I drafted from the fantasy film and food draft. This is the Monday after we did the episode. Uh, This is the Monday after we recorded the episode. And so today I made a bowl of macaroni cheese from an Australian boxed brand of mac and cheese called Kraft. The 
Uh, the cheese sauce was a just this yellow, unnatural looking blob that I put into my macaroni. I made a $5 shake with a scoop of ice cream that I actually got from an ice creamery where I live in Manly and some fresh whipped cream and half a banana and some cinnamon and served it with a little bit of whipped cream on top. And that was a delicious shake that had proper real ice cream in it and was probably worth about 5 to $10 in Australian money. So that was also delicious. And then finally, I created what was probably the best thing out of my whole meal, which was the apple strudel. Using frozen puff pastry and an apple filling that I made, I created this beautiful latticed apple strudel and a little bit of cream on top because you can't, you can't forget the cream. And I would have eaten the whole apple strudel that I made. It was incredibly delicious. The sauce was so rich and, and the flavor, you could taste the cinnamon, you could taste the cooked apple that was soft and really beautiful. And the pastry was just crispy and flaky and just so, so delicious. And the cream added just a nice, nice touch to that dessert. So if I was gonna give you an honest recommendation, it may hurt my chances of winning the fantasy film and food draft, I would actually recommend you go and make the apple strudel. Look, you can always have mac and cheese at home, but I just wasn't too much of a fan of the mac and cheese. However, you know, make the apple strudel, make the $5 shake. Two out of three of my dishes are amazing, and please vote for me as the winner in the fantasy film and food draft on the polls on our social medias and everywhere. And let's get back to finishing our conversation. There we go. All right, well... Thanks so much, Andrew and Corey, for playing the Film and Food Draft. It was so much fun to have you both on. Oh, thank you for having me. Thanks for having us, and thanks for those committed listeners who have listened to this Tarantino-esque length of a podcast. <laughs> yeah, we've definitely, it's definitely like, uh, like a good Tarantino film. Maybe we could cut, a, cut off 10 minutes at the end. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, I'd love to, it sounds like we've got to have you back on to do another episode later on the track. But... Before we get to that, to everyone at home, we need you to vote on who won this first mm. edition of the fantasy film. Was it Andrew? Was it Corey? Or was it me? We will have polls up on all of our social media accounts, or you can just email us your preference at fans at filmandfoodpodcast.com. And we will announce who you chose as the winner later in the week. Also, don't forget to have a go at home yourself and share what you would pick for the ultimate food experience with us. Once again, Thanks, Andrew and Corey, for coming on. No worries. No worries. Thanks. Thank you. Well, that about does it for this week's episode, the Fantasy Film and Food Draft, Quentin Tarantino edition. I just want to say thank you again to Andrew and Corey for coming on the show, having a laugh, and getting into the spirit of the game. This was just such a fun, fun episode, a little bit different to what we usually produce, and so we're hoping to sprinkle that into our regular schedule just as a bit of fun and a way that we can all enjoy and imagine what it would be like to eat the food in our favorite movies, which is what the Film and Food Podcast is about. You also heard my recipe for my meal that I drafted from this episode, which is, of course, the mac and cheese, the $5 shake, and apple strudel for dessert. I made that and recreated that dish at home. You can find that recipe on our website, www.filmandfoodpodcast.com, in the episode show notes, and in all our social medias. So if you're interested in recreating any of those, well, then go ahead and and make sure you share your results with us. And once again, thank you to Andrew and Corey for coming on the show. It was such a blast to have you and would love to hear from them again. 
If you love the Film and Food Podcast, why not have coffee with us? Coffee is a website that allows fans to donate the price of a coffee to their favourite artists. The Film and Food Podcast will always be a free passion project available to everybody who would like to listen. But if you want to help us support the show, our costs and everything that goes along with it, a small donation, the price of a coffee would go a long way. And thank you to all who have supported us already. If you enjoyed this podcast, can I ask you a favour? Can you give us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or the podcast player of your choice? This helps us get up the rankings and get into the ears of all the people that need to hear our show. So thank you to Arky Beth, Nona Eats and Real Reviews Film for your five-star ratings and reviews. And be sure to subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen. We're on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, CastBox, Podchaser, Podcast Addict, Himalaya, Player FM, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, Google Play, Deezer, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, and SoundCloud. Basically, if there's podcasts, we'll be there. And if we're not there, let us know and we will make our way onto that platform. Make sure you email us. The address is fans at filmandfoodpodcast.com. I'll say that again. Fans at filmandfoodpodcast.com. And join us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Let us know what you would have drafted in the Quentin Tarantino edition of the Fantasy Film and Food Draft. Who do you think won this edition of the Fantasy Film and Food Draft? Was it Andrew, Chris, or Corey? Make sure you email us or go onto your favorite social media platform and vote on the polls, and we'll let you know who won later down the line. Give us feedback, suggest a movie to review, let us know how you went with the recipe. The most important thing is to join the conversation. Until next time, goodbye, and thanks for listening.